Welcome everyone to today's act of worship. We come together to worship our Lord, to celebrate all he is for us. And we begin in prayer. Let us pray. Risen Christ, you met Paul on his way to Damascus and Peter whilst he was fishing. So meet us as we gather here and be with us in our daily lives that we may be transformed as they were, fulfilling our potential and discovering new possibilities in ministry and in service. The memory of Easter is already slipping away from our minds, yet your transforming love remains ever in our hearts. Accept this morning the worship of our hearts, for we are your transformed people in this day and this age. Amen. We come together with the assurance that Christ is ever with us and we sing, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine.
we do indeed praise the Lord. We continue in our praise as we offer our prayers of adoration. Let us pray. Great and wonderful God, we join with the great company of your people on earth and in heaven to celebrate your majesty, to marvel at your love and to rejoice in your goodness. You are our God and we praise you. We acknowledge you as Lord of heaven and earth, ruler of space and time, creator of all, sovereign over life and death. We salute you as the beginning and end of all things, the one who is greater than we can ever begin to imagine, higher than our highest thoughts, beyond human expression. We affirm you as all good, all loving and all gracious. We bring you now our worship, our faith and our lives, offering them to you in grateful adoration. You are our God and we praise you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. We continue in prayer as we offer our confession. Let us pray. For the joy of a fresh sunrise, for the hope each new day brings, for a love that knows no bounds, we praise you, bountiful God. But even as the words of praise pass our lips, we know that we have not always lived as those who are loved, forgiven and set free. We have allowed ourselves to be imprisoned by tradition, captivated by habit, limited by fear. Through the healing power of love made flesh, make us whole to live and love with open hearts and generous spirits. So Lord, in a moment of silence, we lift to you our confession. We know we can rest assured in the knowledge that through your forgiving grace, our sins are forgiven. Amen. We come together to pray the prayer our Lord taught us. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. Amen. Through Christ, we have witnessed God's wonderful love for us. So let us come together as we sing. Come, let us sing of a wonderful love.
Steve will now read to us the word of our Lord. The Gospel reading is taken from John's Gospel, chapter 21, and verses 1 to 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord! As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of fish. 153, but even so, with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, 
Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. A reading from Acts chapter 9 verses 1 to 20. The conversion of Saul and Saul's preaching in Damascus. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were travelling with him stood speechless, because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he answered, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, Look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about this man. How much evilly is done to your saints in Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. 
He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may be, regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptised and after taking some food he regained his strength. For several days he was with the disciples in Damascus and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogues saying he is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We heard read about Jesus' disciples and about Saul recognising who Jesus was and they in turn followed where he asked them to go. So we come together to sing once more, will you come and follow me if I but call your name? Will you kiss the leper clean? 
do such as this unseen and admit to what I mean in you and you We have recently heard two different readings about how Jesus was able to transform lives, how he was able to heal and offer people a new start. So what does the word transformation mean to us? The dictionary describes transformation as a change or an alteration, especially a radical one. If we watch telly, we will see programmes about transformations programs based around how to improve your house in order to sell it, how to improve your appearance in order to make you feel better, how to change your spending habits in order to save money, even how to change the food you buy in order to lose weight, to get healthier, or once again, to save money. We are constantly bombarded with information on how to change. I ask myself, are all these programmes telling us we need transformation in order to improve our lives, to feel better? Do they imply we are not good enough as we are? Most of these programmes are concerned with what is on the surface of our lives, how to look better, how to present ourselves or what we have better. I admit there is only really one transformation program I enjoy watching, and that is The Big Build. In The Big Build, a small team of people encourage local businesses and skilled people to freely offer of their skills, supplies and abilities to transform someone's house and make it fit for a family to live in. 
Families, through no fault of their own, have tried to improve their houses, only to be hit by misfortune. And then they get stuck living in a house unfit for purpose. Often there may be a disabled family member who cannot move around because of the current house's layout. The team, together with local businesses and not so local businesses, strip back the house, redesign the layout and add specialist equipment so that all the family can live a better, more comfortable life. The house is transformed and so are the lives of the families. This programme is not simply about appearance. It is about living a good and useful life as best as you can. About people offering out of what they have. About generosity and care for people in extreme, extremely difficult positions. Whereas before the transformation, the families couldn't do much. Yet after the transformation, they have had the pressure taken away and their whole family way of life and living has been transformed. Jesus came into our world to transform lives. He doesn't look at the exterior of our lives. He looks to the heart and it is there that he makes the most profound changes if we let him. Peter and the disciples had chosen to follow Jesus willingly. They were learning from him all the time, yet they still had times of doubt and fear. Peter, in fear of the people around him, rejected Jesus three times before the dawn of the day of Jesus' crucifixion. The other disciples ran away out of fear. After the crucifixion, all the disciples went into hiding. They were scared that they too would suffer the same fate. After his death, we know that Jesus then appeared to those same disciples. He appeared in the room they had locked themselves away inside. He showed himself to them as God's son, the conqueror of death, the giver of hope. He talked with them and said, as the father sent me, I am sending you. He gave them a directive and instruction to follow, to continue the ministry he had started. The disciples now had a new hope. They stopped hiding and started to mix and speak with the people around them once again. Peter decided that he should start living a normal life and he went back to his old way of life, to what he knew best, and that was fishing. The others went with him. One night they spent hours fishing, yet caught nothing. As day dawned, they neared the shore and saw a man cooking fish on a fire. This man called to them, Friends, haven't you caught any fish? They did not recognise the man, yet answered, all the same with a, no. Throw your net over the right-hand side of the boat, he tells them. When they do, they find fish and are amazed. It is only then that they truly realise that Jesus, in power, is back with them. And so they come to the shore and share a meal together. At this meal, Jesus took Peter aside and three times he asked whether Peter loved him. And three times Peter replied, Lord, you know I love you. We tend to see each time as a way of cancelling out Peter's rejection of Jesus before the crucifixion. Whether this is so, we do not know. But what we do know is that Jesus changed Peter's life 
from that moment on. Peter knew that going back to his boat was not the way his life was heading. He was chosen by Jesus to fish for men, to reach out to people and to guide them to Jesus and into God's love. Peter was called to follow Jesus in life and in death. The other disciples were shown the way that they too would follow. A life involved in spreading the word of Jesus by what they did and what they said. Jesus transformed their lives in the ways the disciples could not foresee. Saul is another man transformed by Jesus. Saul was a man who honoured God. He believed in God and he loved God. He was a man who would do anything to stand up for his faith. By persecuting the followers of Christ, he believed he was doing the right thing. He believed he was protecting God's people, saving them from being led astray. How many times in our lives have we believed we are doing the right thing, only to later find out we were in the wrong? Maybe sometimes we should have taken a step back from what we were doing in order to ask ourselves, are we doing this because we feel God has called us to do it? Or are we doing it because it is something we really want to do? Both thoughts are all right. Only as humans, we can be so blinded by what we want to do that we ignore what we are being called to do. Saul could not ignore Jesus' message to him. Even those with him on the road to Damascus saw the bright light and heard a sound. Yet it was only Saul who was physically blinded by the light and the message was for him alone. Life had changed in a moment. Instead of being able to lead he, as he was used to doing, he had to put his trust into others to guide him. During this time, Saul fasted and prayed to God. Realising he had chosen the wrong path, he may have prayed for forgiveness and to be shown the right path to take. Perhaps he was trying to make sense of what happened to him. Ananias was also a man of great faith. He loved God and accepted Jesus as Lord. He had heard about Saul. He knew what Saul had done and was scared of what Saul could still do to the believers. So when he asked in a vision to see Saul, he must have been truly terrified. Yet his faith in Jesus was stronger than his fear. He did, however, question what was being asked of him. Acts 19 verse 13. Acts 9, sorry, verse 13. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias did what was asked of him. He must have fully accepted Jesus' words because as he lays his hands upon Saul, Ananias calls him brother. Ananias laid his hands upon Paul in recognition of the confirmation of God's acceptance of Saul. This acceptance included Saul's healing. His sight was regained and he received the gift of the Holy Spirit. The miraculous events that happened to Saul occurred away from Jesus' disciples. Those disciples would have been living in fear of him, possibly believing his change of behaviour was a trick. 
Saul changed his name to Paul and kept away from them at first. He travelled to different areas teaching about Jesus' love and forgiveness. This may have helped Paul to become accepted by the other disciples because they began to hear about and see demonstrated that Jesus was at work in Paul. The disciples may have Sorry, the disciples had played no role, role in Saul's conversion. Maybe this had helped give him a credence that he may not have had otherwise. Even Peter and the disciples eventually accepted Paul as a brother, though it took time and it took trust. Do we accept all the people God loves and chooses? We honour God when we accept his people into our lives, no matter how difficult it may be sometimes. The story of Paul and his conversion, of God's forgiveness, of the disciples' eventual acceptance shows us that no one is outside of God's love. People do things wrong, but that doesn't mean God rejects them. He gives everyone the chance to turn their lives around. Even the worst person can be shown love and forgiveness though many people do not think they should. That is human thinking. God's thinking is demonstrated clearly in the Easter story. We have not long celebrated Easter, thinking of Jesus upon the cross. He came as a living sacrifice and offered his life in order for everyone, if they choose to accept his free and full forgiveness through it. We heard the story where Saul, upon that road to Damascus, met with him. His life and his understanding of God were turned upside down in the briefest of moments. We understand that he always had loved God and thought he was following God's way, only to find that Jesus came and showed him he was mistaken. He then received forgiveness for the way he had previously been treating the followers of Christ. We too are able to receive the same forgiveness, love and acceptance through Jesus' sacrifice. If we allow him, he can transform our lives into lives that he can use to bring others back to God. We are the disciples of this day and of this age. It is we who can reflect Jesus into the world around us. Our age, outer appearance, practical or academic ability are of no real concern. Jesus can use each of us as we are. To, bring, to help bring God's love to the lives of others, to bring the light of God into, the li into lives that are beginning to recognise his presence. We are asked to be open to the Spirit and to live godly lives, lives that offer acceptance, forgiveness and love towards all people. Jesus showed the way. Are we willing to be transformed by his love and to follow? Amen. Let us always be open to God's Spirit as he guides and directs us. And we come together to sing once more. Give to me, Lord, a thankful heart and a discerning mind. Let us sing.
We come together now to offer our prayers for others. Let us pray. Loving God, we pray for those who carry the burden of guilt and for all who bear the weight of failure. We think of those suffering the effects of war, people on both sides. We pray for those who hurt others and for those who are hurting because of others and those who feel they have not achieved their aims in life. Lord Jesus, turn their lives around. We pray for all who are afraid of their past and all who are fearful for their future. Sometimes our past can dominate the here and now. Help those struggling with past hurts. And we pray for those for whom the future looks daunting. We think of those who have recently lost a loved one or those who have discovered they have an illness. For people struggling with things that are beyond their understanding. Give them peace and strength to face each day as it comes. Lord Jesus, turn their lives around. We pray for those desperate for forgiveness and determined to begin again. May your love be in their hearts and your words on their lips. Lord Jesus, turn their lives around. We pray for those whose mistakes are public and for leaders who have misused their power. We pray for the political situation in our country, for those who have broken the rules they created and have caused hurt to those who suffered through obeying them. We pray for all the leaders of all the nations that they may make wise decisions for their people. We lift Putin before you and pray that he will have a change of heart and withdraw from the Ukraine. We pray for the Ukrainian president, Vladimir Zelensky, that he will remain strong for his people. Lord Jesus, turn their lives around. And we pray for ourselves and for one another. Lord Jesus, turn our lives around. Amen. For our final hymn today, we come together to sing, Forth in the name, O Lord, I go. Let us sing. I 
Christ, my inmost substance, seek and labor on at thy command and offer all my works to Give me to bear thy easy yoke, and every moment watch and pray, and still to things eternal look, and hasten to thy glorious Let us go forth and reflect our Lord to the people around us. Let us pray. Send us out, Lord, not perfect creations, but as a people who are your work in progress. We live in the sure promise of your ongoing work of transformation within our lives. Show us the way of life that follows Jesus and fill our hearts with hope for the future. For we go now in peace, in the power of God's Spirit to reflect Jesus into the world around us. Amen.